Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, my direct doesn't want to change. Here we go. Many Manager Tools examples use situations where the direct who's being coached or developed wants to grow, right? We, <laughs> we love those yeah, kind of directs, and, right? And we think we ought to spend time on those people who want to grow. That's right. And, and frankly, that's probably where you're going to get the best return on your investment of time, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. But what about those folks who say they don't want that? And we, we got to answer that question. And that question comes up. What do you do? So there are many different flavors of this question. This particular cast is about the person who just says, I just want to stay where I am. I'm, I am in my job. I don't want to grow. I don't want to develop. I like my job as it is. And we hear this a lot. Um, there are a number of different people who say, I don't want to change. Some people say, I like the way I'm doing this one thing. This is not really that cast. This is for the person who says, I'm comfortable. I'm not like you, sir or ma'am. I don't want to grow. I don't want to develop. I'm not hot to trot to climb the corporate ladder. I'm good here. I like my job. Now, I, I call them cavemen. That's what I, that's what I like yeah, to do. Yeah, we probably ought not do that. <laughs> um, so this cast is a little bit different because when I do this, at conferences and with clients, I say, well, people say, well, what do I say to my people who don't want to grow? I say, well, you say this. And everybody goes, oh my, okay, say that again. And I say it again, and they still don't get it. And so what we're gonna do here is I'm gonna walk you through the rationale for what I'm gonna say, uh, and then at the end of the cast, I'm gonna say it. If you wanna skip, you know, I don't know how long this cast is gonna be, but let's say it's 30 minutes, you could probably skip the 25 minutes and you'd find my speech. I don't recommend you do that because it's really helpful to understand where it's coming from so you can handle the questions you're inevitably going to get. We can't give you a cast with every possible question answered. But basically, if you follow the logic we're going to walk through in the outline here, you'll come up with the same darn talking points that we do. Um, but here we go. The first thing you need to understand is that change is inexorable. It's coming. It's You can't avoid it. But for a lot of people in your organization, including maybe some of your directs who don't want to change, change is invisible. They think they can get by without it. The thing that really drives the engine of this entire cast is the fact is, folks, the world and the market for your products, because the world is growing, the market for your products is growing. What's more, your company is probably trying to grow faster than the market itself. Um, so the market, the world is growing at one rate. The market for your products is probably growing faster than that, depending upon which analyst you have. And then your company wants to grow faster than the rate of growth of the market, simply because otherwise you start losing market share and that's not good. Therefore, if you believe that everybody in the organization has a responsibility to achieve, uh, to help the organization get where it needs to go, if you and your team don't grow as fast as the market is growing, or as fast, I'm sorry, as fast as your organization wants to grow, you're, a drag. you're going to be perceived, yeah, you're a drag. You're, you're perceived as a risk, as a laggard. And what that means for individuals is the idea of, quote, staying where you are, unquote, means your value is declining. You're staying at zero while the market, the world is growing at 1%, the market's growing at 4%, and your company wants to grow at 7%. And if you stay at zero, you've lost 7% in one year, which is not trivial. And then, like I said, that, that's the logic. It's just the inexorable human equation is really what it is. And then we'll end up, point six will be, I'll walk through the speech. And guys, it's not the speech that's important, although you're welcome to use it. 
What's important is understanding that logic and then be able to in integrate that into your own talks with your own directs about how to get them to understand, even if they don't like it, to understand that your job is to push them to grow at the rate that the company is growing. And that means some tension and hopefully you're doing one-on-ones so that you can create the emotional bank account such that when you pinch that relationship, um, you won't be drawing it down below zero. Boy, I think I just used as much as many metaphors, mixed metaphors in one sentence as ever. That was good. That's yeah, good. I, I, I have to, I'll have to mm. break that down and study it. Yeah, exactly. get a transcript. Yeah, study it. yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder where you get a transcript. <laughs> so let's talk about that, that often said thing that says change happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> change right. happens. And always, right? Yeah. And look, you know, to be fair, I, we tell customer, we tell clients, we tell managers all the time. If you think you're that much different than your directs, you're just wrong. And, it, and it's arrogant to think that. One of the places, though, that managers do score differently and sound different and appear different and, and perceive things differently is, is how they think about change. As a manager, you probably think about change pretty regularly. You see new initiatives the company's doing, you see products changing, you get hints of the scope of the change that your division is gonna go through, or maybe even the entire organization. You're privy to it, you go to meetings where it's indicated to you, and so on. Yeah, and then one could argue if, if change didn't happen, then you might not even be necessary. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly right, yeah. Let's, that's organizational theory 101, right? But look, and that probably means, because you're a manager, that you're at least amenable to the change. You're aware that it exists and you're not, you're not going to stand Horatio at the bridge and say no more change in our organization. So you understand at some level it's going to happen. Your firm needs to keep up. Your predisposition and your perspective, both of those things, help you understand the need for change and helps you understand that that change is not something that happens all around you, but includes you. And that means you're going to have to change what you do and how you think on a periodic basis. But for some of us, our directs have a different predisposition and they have a different perspective on this situation. Remember, Guys, if you're a manager, you have to want to get promoted to say yes to it. I mean, I can't imagine saying yes to a promotion if you don't want it. If you're managing individual contributors, though, they may never have said yes to such an offer as managing people and thinking through what that means in terms of dealing with change in politics and pushy directors and so on. Your directs, if you're managing individual contributors, are more likely than you to be hesitant to change. Okay, now, now look, I, I want to take a little aside here because um, it's one thing to manage managers. It's a slightly different thing to manage individual contributors. But there are two possibilities we're talking about here. One is somebody resisting growth who's an individual contributor, and the other is someone who's resisting growth who manages other people. Mm. Now look, guys, I can see where this is getting us in some hot water, but if you think it through, you'll realize we're right. It's not judgmental to say that individual contributors are more likely to resist change than managers. The reason it's not judgmental is because the data support it, okay? We're not looking down our noses as managers and saying, oh, the individual contributors can't handle it. That's not the case at all. There is another reason, though, why I want to make this distinction about managers versus individual contributors if you're managing managers. A manager who resists change isn't qualified to be a manager, period. Manager's job, in many cases, is to create change, to foment change on behalf of the organization. You don't have to have the conversation we're going we're to lay out here 
with a manager more than once before you simply say to them, you're not fit for the role. And look, guys, I'm, I'm kidding a little bit. But our point is, um, somebody who's a manager who then proceeds to say, I don't want to change, I like my job the way it is, is not going to last. And if you're their boss, if you think you can shield them, you're smoking crap. Some BP, some, you're smoking crack. Some BPs can come down there and chop their hat off and, and chop yours off too. That's just the way it works. You can't get away with that. You can't say, well, I'm in a, I'm in a change-averse area, so I'm going to be the manager that protects my people from change. You're nuts. We'll find you. We'll find you, and you'll we'll hunt be gone. you down. Yeah, and look, the difference between being an individual contributor and a manager is distinctive in the sense that the jobs are notably different. Managing people doing something is very different than doing that thing itself. Even if you get to keep your hand in, right, when you're managing a reliable team, you're not doing reliability testing all the time. Okay, so. The change you go through managing people is distinctive, and, and some people who are individual contributors know that and therefore don't want to undergo that change. So people who are individual contributors are more likely to be resistant to change or at least less open to it. Whether you want to say resistant or not is your vocabulary call, okay? So their predisposition on average, not in any individual, but on average, the predisposition is to be less open to change. Perspective, too, is likely to be different. I have to say, I know a lot of managers who believe they oughtn't give their team members the big picture, the whole story, the messy background. That's not what we recommend, <laughs> to be yeah, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> But if you do it, what it does is it creates directs, particularly if those directs are individual contributors, it creates directs who are a lot less aware of the amount of change going on in the organization than you as their manager are. And that makes it easier for them to feel comfortable resisting it. If they don't know how much of it is, then they may be able to think there are only three big changes coming down this year. I can get away with saying no to those. Right. If they knew there were 25, they might say, I might be able to get, get, get away with saying no to three, but I ain't going to get away with saying no to 25. Yeah. In some sense, you're, you're being protective a little bit and you're, you're the one causing the problem. <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. I've got a series of casts that we're going to have to repurpose under the, uh, you know, the, this whole meme of uh, micromanagement is such a joke. It's, it's ludicrous. Micromanagement is not a problem. It's so rare as to be almost non-existent. It's a myth. It's a Yeti. It's, a, it's Sasquatch, right? Even though, as I say that now, I think there are TV shows on that people are <laughs> searching for Sasquatch. But the idea that part of your job as a manager is to protect your people is a myth that drives bad behavior. And that bad behavior sometimes is rewarded and therefore reinforces the myth. Folks, your job is not to protect your people. Your job is to protect the organization. I'm not saying protect it from your people. It's not as if you're in a vice between your people and the organization. That's a, a bad analogy as well. But the idea that you're supposed to protect your people, how would you feel if your director said to you, if you're a manager and your director said to you, yeah, my job is kind of protected from all this stuff. Maybe a little bit of, of politics, uh, you know, and, and getting, getting whacked around by somebody with a lot of power and then them squashing you like a bug and saying, I don't care about you, so I'm going to 
I'm going to get rid of your division or get rid of you. I mean, that happens so rarely, but it's certainly, it's certainly dramatic enough to get a lot of attention. But would you want your boss to say, no, I don't tell you all the stuff that's going on up here because, because if you knew all this stuff, it would bug you. It'd blow your mind. You just, you just, you just explode. <laughs> yeah. First of all, what they're telling you is you can't handle it. And secondly, you're not smart enough. And I just, you know, that's just, <laughs> you're really, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really cool on that with my boss. I don't, I don't think that. And I don't think most people would be. Um, and I think there are plenty of bosses who say that as a way of lording over people, the fact that I can handle this, but you can't. And it's a, I'm going to be paternalistic toward you, which a lot of people ought not to like in this world. And it reinforces my power over you. And I think it's bad. If you're too protective, you're helping cause this problem of people not being comfortable with change. And look, there's another factor here that makes it easy to understand a direct who says, I don't want to change as fast as you say you want me to, boss. Change often happens so incrementally, so gradually. And again, particularly when managers shield directs from it, that it's easy to miss. If you can't miss it, if you know what's happening, if it's perceived to be happening slowly, it's easy, at least in principle, to disregard it. Guys, there are many folks in the world who think of their role in a microcosm, just me and my job. They don't think about the company and the forces buffeting it. They don't think about typhoons and uh, crises, uh, financial crises, monetary shortage crises in the European Union or something like that. But these things affect major multinational corporations. And even if they don't affect your company because you're only operating in one company, one country, your competitors are affected by it, and that changes their moves in the marketplace, and the marketplace is dynamic, so your company could be affected by it. Now, you can't know everything, but you at least ought to think of yourself to some degree as a citizen of the world, or at least what what is happening in the world, the world's events, so you can think through what that might mean for you. But a lot of people, more so individual contributors than managers, directors, and executives, and so on, a lot of people think of their role just as being me, my job. And anything outside of it is outside of it. If you put that together with a pattern of regular behaviors, maybe their job has a set pattern to it, and then they have a routine in their home life, it's not hard to see why some people would think things really aren't changing all that much at all. My kids are getting older. You know, I don't like change generally, but why should I specifically have to change at work? Because the one thing I like about work is it's predictable. Now, I think a lot of people who are listening, who are disc followers or fans would say, yeah, a lot of these people are high C's. Yeah, and also high S's. And it doesn't change the fact that they're valuable and we need to keep them. And that means to some degree, there's going to be tension when we need change. But they say, yeah, I don't think I want to. And look. There are also plenty of managers who won't broach this conversation of an inevitable change in growth. And because of that, your direct may have worked for one of those people before. The manager shielded them. The manager didn't tell them about all the changes. And so your direct has a history of having gotten very comfortable indeed, believing that change isn't ever really going to be required. And yet, the CEO of any company, and therefore his or her EVPs and VPs and SVPs, would all say, change isn't just going to happen. It isn't just required. It's genetic. If an organization has genetic material, and there's a case to be made since organizations are seen legally as persons, 
that the genetic material, one of the key parts of the genetic makeup, the cytonine and the, uh, um, the adenine and the guanine, and the, um, the C and the T and the G and the A, one of those things, that C, it's change. So my point with all that is, guys, let's not judge the people who resist change. They exist, they're valuable, they believe what they believe, they're not wrong, particularly if previous managers have allowed them to continue to believe it, and you're in conflict with them if you believe you want change, and I think that's inevitable uh, as based on the case we just made. So the person who resists change, the person who doesn't want a promotion, the person who doesn't feel new, comfortable with new ideas that aren't theirs, let's respect that they got where they are by legitimate means that make sense to them, and yet let's also respect and we are at least in idea or intellectual conflict with them because we know we need them to change. Yeah. Now, it's it's pretty easy for folks to divorce themselves from the firm's success, right? Particularly if the firm is is big enough. But, yeah. But the fact is the world and the market that you're in, they're growing. You know, most individuals, I think, you know, kind of think of themselves as somewhat distant, right? From, uh, if not completely oh, divorced, gosh, yeah. divorced from the actual results of the firm. Right, you know, for if I, if if I'm, let's say I'm in a, a firm that builds buses, for example, and I'm in the on the IT security team, right, or yeah. or I'm I'm in the you know a line of cosmetic creams, right. My job is right in cosmetic creams, but you know it's a hundred billion dollar U.S. firm. It's it's pretty easy to think that like my my activities and and my results from those activities really don't make a big difference. Yeah, and there are a lot of bosses who make it easier for people to draw that conclusion by not connecting what people do to the larger to the larger thing. Yeah, agreed. And look, there are times when you have a good month, but the company struggles. And, and there are times when <laughs> just the opposite, right? And so the bigger your company is, without any intent, the size of your organization insulates you. The bigger it is, insulates you greater from the organization's goals and objectives. It's simply too hard for every manager all the time to be saying, here's how what you do fits in at 17 levels higher than you, how this company is successful. And so, a lot of individual contributors don't always see things from the perspective of the company. What they're thinking of on the production line or in sales or marketing, whatever, they think about that next build they've got to do. They think about the next production turnover they've got to make. They think about the existing change process that they're looking at and considering it, approving. They're, they're thinking about the next quarterly sales goal. Or they're thinking about their sales goal for tomorrow. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But regardless of whether folks want to think about it or not, the world is growing at about 1% historically really two and even more than that percent per year. Now, that may now not sound like a lot, but if you're a commercial organization, you have to realize that the drive among human beings to improve their standard of living, to help give their kids more than just food, clothing, and shelter, means that for the vast majority of products and services that are created in the world, not only is the world growing at, let's say, one to two percent, but there are more people, more people are becoming, if you'll pardon the expression, middle class and therefore becoming consumers, such that the growth rate you have to meet to keep up with the world is not simply the population growth rate, but rather the how big is the market I'm in growing rate. And that's a function of all kinds of economic factors beyond just the, the inexorable underlying 
tectonic plate of uh, population growth. As a rough approximation, the total market for goods and services is probably growing at about a 3% annual aggregate. So guys, if you just do the economics, and if you're a commercial company, economics matter a little bit. As a general rule, to stay even, even in an abstract sense. Now I know you could say, well, in this company, their, their market's growing a lot more than that. Yes, I know. Remember now, we're making this case in order to convince somebody who wants their growth rate to be zero. We don't need, if you tell them 50%, remember guys, this is manager tools. We don't teach things that are just true. We think things that teach things that are true and helpful and effective. And so you don't tell somebody, hey, the company's gonna grow 50% per year. If they wanna stay at zero and you tell them the company's gonna grow at 50% per year, that just shuts them down. So we've gotta give them something that's achievable. If you could get everyone on your team to grow 10% per year, pretty soon you'd be running the show. Holy moly, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. So to stay even, companies have to grow at a minimum at about 3% annually. Okay, well that's a company though. What does it mean for me as an individual? I mean, does it? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a piece. I'm just a little cog in this. Yeah, exactly. Big You're just a cog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and you know, watches. <laughs> yeah, just a cog in the watch. And if one of those cogs doesn't work, the, the watch stops. Look, the thing that's hard for people to understand is the companies we are a part of are a part of the world and the market. They're part of society. In fact, companies exist to serve society. Folks, please, please, please don't ever believe anybody who says companies exist to make a profit. It's just dumb. Um, companies exist to serve the societies they're part of. And we're part of those companies, right? We, yeah, I think employed. Peter Drucker said something. Yeah, you know, I'm going to channel him for a few minutes. Yeah. While emotionally, we might want to feel a part from the broader systems of the world, the market, gee, look at the Wall Street Journal. I don't read the Wall Street Journal. I don't, it's too complex. The markets, Wall Street, I, uh, central banks and quantitative easing and blah, blah, blah. Boy, there's, there's a phrase, quantitative easing. The fact is, even if you emotionally wanna separate yourself from all that stuff that your company, and the bigger it is, the more likely this is true, your company binds you to those forces. The fact is every individual is subject to the forces of aggregate growth. And therefore, if you're an adult and you're in a professional role of some sort, you're responsible for responding to the, the forces in the marketplace in the world in a proactive way. Right. Now guys, I know what I just said. You're probably thinking, are you really expecting me to tell that to my directs? No, we want you to understand the case so that when you get a couple of questions around the margins, you feel confident about answering it. That's okay? right. We're building a case right now. Yeah, too bad it's really <laughs> worse than that, right? I mean, 3%, right? That's... It's that's, not 3%. It's yeah, not that, 3%, that just gets right? you in the game. I mean, yeah. that's just gets you, that gets you even, right? But most companies that I know of aren't trying to just stay even, right? They're trying to grow faster than the market. Yeah, I'll, we'd bet money, right? Your, your organization, whoever you are, is not planning to only grow as fast as the market is. A CEO who recommended that, hey, this is, <laughs> the market's going to grow 3%, we need to grow 3%, right? Would get laughed out of the boardroom. There are new geographies we haven't penetrated, new uses we haven't marketed for, new versions that appeal to new demographics. So, yeah, your company is, of course, growing, trying to grow in most cases, much faster than the market. If the market's growing at 3%, let's say, let, well, no, let's say the market's growing at 
you're trying to grow at 15. That way, if you undershoot a little bit, you'll still be at 12 or 11, and that way you won't lose market share. But all this leads to the fundamental premise here, the, one of the key points, which is if you and your team don't grow as fast as the company needs to grow to meet its objectives, you become at risk. That's the yeah. key right there. If your executive leadership expects you to grow, not just as fast as the world is growing, not just as fast as your firm's market, but rather as fast or faster than the company has promised its owners or investors it will grow, and then you don't do that, this is where I'm, I've, I don't know what to do <laughs> I about know my that own tone. reputation. <laughs> I know, I don't know what to do with my own reputation. I mean, one of the guys, a client I was at yesterday was like, man, you were, you were hard on us. I'm like, yeah, because you're, you don't even know this fundamental stuff and I'm here to teach you and I really, I really want to help. But look, guys, if you don't do this, you're at risk. And I've seen too many cases where aggregate numbers were looked at for divisions and groups and departments. And you may not like the numbers that they use. I suspect you probably know what numbers they use. But if you're not doing as well, as you should be, you're gonna be put on the bubble in the next layoff. You're gonna be put on the bubble for a divestiture. You're gonna be put on the bubble for an underinvestment, which is gonna make it even harder for you to keep up. And look, for those of you who say, well, I'm in a division that's really not growing as fast as the company, so we're just holding our own. I'm okay with that, guys. We're not sitting here saying that everybody has to grow. There are times when one division is a hot division and they're gonna grow 30% and everybody else is only gonna grow three. We understand that happens. But don't tell me your entire career that you were in the 3% division. I don't know, you know, that whenever the division was growing at 30%, I'm sorry. If that division's in a different, you know, a different market than perhaps some of the other, you know, particularly like a GE, for example, you could be in. Right. Right. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. But that division has has a market that has a growth. Yeah, rate, exactly. Right? Exactly. Right? You, yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're maybe the company's growing at 10 percent. You're only growing at 8 uh, percent. But if the market you're in is growing at 15 percent, that's that's not that's not good. So let's think about it, guys. If you're the EVP, the executive vice president of a division that was supposed to grow by 10 percent per year, let's assume that the division only grew 6 percent. That's not good. OK. I promise you, the EVP, if he doesn't or she doesn't on her own choose to do a review, she's going to be instructed to do so by the CEO, and they're going to do a review of the various parts of the division, okay? She's going to say, show me the aggregate numbers for all of the groups we have. Compare them to what their targets were that would have gotten us to 10% and be ready to present it in a week. I'm on the road seeing customers this week. And by the way, if you think I made that up, that's almost a verbatim quote from a Fortune 100 EVP that I spent some time with several years ago. And everybody knew it was happening. Hey, look, if I've got departments or divisions that aren't doing what they're supposed to do, I'm going to talk to them. I'm not saying I'm going to get rid of them, but they're going to know. And guys, you don't want to be a manager of a director who gets his butt chewed by an EVP when in fact, if you had known or you could have helped or you had pushed a little bit more, you could have kept your director or your senior director out of that hot seat. And it's not enough to say, I didn't know. You're responsible. If you're a manager, you're responsible. As a manager, we're obligated to figure out how to turn the higher level goals of our organization, whatever they are, 
into measurable goals for our team. And I got to tell you, in the last couple of years, that's probably been one of my regrets in terms of our cast. In the next five years, we'll build it out. Because the more I pay attention to it, the more I sense that managers really struggle with, okay, my boss's 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 boss knows what her numbers or his numbers are supposed to be, but nobody's helping me drive them to me. And uh, that's a hard thing to do in the abstract, but we're going to try to do it for you. But look, we have to figure out what does 10% growth for the entire organization mean for us? Or how can I cut costs by 8% this year if, in fact, we're not a revenue division, we're only a cost division uh, or a department? Where can I get 6% process, process improvement, which will lead to greater throughput, which will help our production people produce more for the same cost, which will increase productivity, which generally productivity drives profitability. And profitability is how we measure things. Yeah. If you're in management, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> that's Exactly. And if you're not doing it, guys, sorry, but you've got a new deliverable. So what that translates to for your direct who's saying, I don't want to change is staying where you are. I want to stay where I am means because the market is growing and the organization is growing faster than that is that they are declining in value. And that's dangerous. If the company decided to grow at three or six or 10% per year, what would happen to somebody who said, I don't want to change at all. If you think of the company's growth, plan as the standard, growing at a rate less than the goal means that from somebody standing on the line that's going up faster than you, you look like you're going down. You're declining in value relative to where the company wants to be or where, where the company wants you to be. And the analogy that I was taught by a guy, he wasn't CEO at the time, but he later became CEO. He says the best analogy is of kids growing up in school and you or your directs going year to year in school, staying the same height, right? If you're in school and every other kid is growing and you're staying the same height, you feel fine. I mean, you, you recognize other kids are growing, but you're good, right? I mean, maybe you're not as tall as the other kids and maybe they tease you a little bit, but it, as long as you're not sick, it's not, as long as it's not a disease, maybe you're just gonna end up being 5'2", which is fine. Um, I say that to, in deference to my mother and my older brother who are about five to each of them are about five two and now my older brother's going to kill me because he's about five six i think which is a joke because he's actually about five eight but he's still way shorter than the rest of us <laughs> yeah. in the family but look if you stop growing if you're healthy then you're fine but it doesn't feel fine does it whenever the kid is growing and that's exactly what you're doing if you're staying flat staying the same sounds fine until everyone else around you Maybe not on your team, Mr. or Ms. Manager, because you're protecting them, but in other departments, when they're pushing and growing, when they're getting delegated to, when they're being asked to do more and they're stepping up and trying, shaking their head and saying, I don't know how we're going to keep up. They're growing and you're not. And you think I'm fine, but the fact is you're not fine because you have to be fine relative to others. And when others are growing faster than you, you're at risk, period. That's right. And it's hard to grow the average height of the, uh, of the class if, uh, if nobody's growing. Right? I mean, that's the... Exactly. Yeah. So I guess we promised a speech, didn't we? We did. We did. Yeah. So, how, so how does it sound? I, got, I, I have one of these people working for me. What do I say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we've already made the case for what systems thinkers call organic growth, right? Growth internally to the company. Here's how it might sound, and I'll start off with what the direct might say. The direct says to you, look, boss, I hear you. I know you want me to do more, 
but I don't think what you're suggesting will work as well as what we already do. And I'm pretty busy as it is, and I'm pretty happy where I am. Okay, now I'm just gonna make a brief aside before I say it and say, you'll notice that the first thing I do is agree with the objection. That's a standard objection overcoming technique. That's Sales 101, Persuasion 101. Um, you, could, you could even use Feel, Felt, Found. And if you don't know what that is, we have a cast for that. Um, but here's how it sounds. I would say, if Mike said that to me, I'd say, Mike, I hear you. You're right. I agree. You've totally got plenty to do. And I think you're probably right that at first, this new change we're talking about won't work as well as what we already do. That said, if we only keep doing what we're already doing, we're never going to change. And if we don't change, then there's no way we're going to grow. Um, by that definition, we can't ever change because anything new in the beginning, it's not going to be as good as what we're already doing until we get over it being new. But look, if you use that standard, we'd still be selling products that worked 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. And you know that won't work. And what that means is change is slow, but it's inevitable, right? Stuff happens. We know we're different now than we were 20 years ago. We may not feel like we're changing day to day, but the fact is we are. Here's the thing, Mike. The world is growing. Our company's market is growing faster than the world. Our company wants to grow even faster than the market. Every company does. What that means is our company is going to grow X percent this year. If you and I and our team guys stay where we are, we're going to get left behind. It's not, Mike, it's not like we can expect everybody else to grow, but we get to stay fat and happy and unchanging. It just doesn't work that way. And I'm here to tell you, it's my job to encourage you to grow, to change. That's what growth is. It's change. And it's painful. Um, and it's my job to encourage it, to build enough of a relationship with you that I can encourage it. And unfortunately, the downside of my job is to encourage it as best I can. And even if I'm not very good at it, if you don't change, finding some way to find somebody who can change. And look, dude, we can't really blame the leadership of our organization for these changes. They're just doing what makes sense to them. It's a function of what the world and the market and our competitors are doing. When our competitors do stuff, we have to combat it. Maybe we copy it. Maybe we do something unique. But it's, it's driven by our customers and the market and the world. It's not like the executives are making stuff up just to make our lives more miserable. And regardless of whether it's the market or the leadership or the managers or me or the world or competitors or customers, it doesn't matter. We can't expect to stand still and not change when the world and the market and our customers and our competitors are all changing. Dude, the world does not revolve around us. So basically, you're going to have to grow 10% this year. That's what it boils down to. If we want to not be on the bubble, if the company falters in any way, we have to keep pace with the company. Change is here to stay. I'm happy to help you through it. I want you on board. And I'll keep you on board. I will. And if you don't change when the company does, if I don't change when the company does, which means of me being me and all of us, then I'm falling behind and you're falling behind. And I don't want that for you. And I don't want it for your family. That's what I'd say. All right. You sold me. I'm going to go change right now. <laughs> yeah, good. Change. Do it. Do. Yeah. Um, luckily, folks, he's in Virginia and I'm in California. I tell you something. If I could, I'd draw a flat line, you know, like mm -hmm. a graph with a slope of 
zero, I guess. Yeah, slope is zero. And then I draw a graph, a line with a slope of say, I don't know, what's a slope of, maybe a slope of 0.2. And then I'd draw a line with the same starting point with a slope of 0.4. And I'd say, if you're wanting to stay on the first line, the problem is the market is growing as much as the second line and the company wants to grow as much as the third line. And if I draw a line from the top right-hand corner of that top line down to that bottom line, that's a big gap and it's only getting worse. And if we don't keep up now, we're never going to catch up unless we go faster than the company. And the company's going to be changing fast enough that we'll never, never, ever catch up. And I don't want that. Yeah. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I, I really do. I'm sorry. Um, and I'm sorry your bosses before didn't tell you that. And if you work for me, you're going to grow at 5 to 10% per year simply because that's the way I can put my hat on my pillow at night knowing that I'm doing everything I can to push you so that you are employable and professional and effective and you are always going to be one of the people the company says, we need guys like that around. But I got to tell you, companies don't sit around saying, let's keep the people that don't change. They just don't. Yeah. I don't want to get into politics here, but I mean, I think a lot of unions are finding that they've been on the wrong side of change for a while. Yeah. And they're wising up that they got to get behind change. They got to be a help, a driver of it. The days of being able to advocate less change, are, that those days are, are gone. Gone. And they've been yeah. for a long time. Yep. So, so folks, just again, we, we hopefully we, you follow the logic. Change is in, invisible, but it, it's inexorable, but it's also invisible for a lot of people. And we shouldn't be hiding it from our directs. The world's growing, the market's growing. We want to grow faster than the market. And so if we don't keep up with that, we look worse over time than the organization wants us to. And that makes it scary for us. And so staying where you are is actually a declining value in the modern world. And that's dangerous in terms of employability and in terms of results, in terms of professional being able to hold your head high and say, I contributed. I made this. This was important to me. I contributed my part. And then hopefully the speech was helpful. You know, guys, this is one of the quietly unknown parts of being a manager, encouraging everyone to grow and develop and change. Not because you like change because you're a high D or a high I, but because it change is inevitable and people who don't change are going to get left behind and you can't let your people get left behind without saying something to them and without encouraging them and without even goading them and without even nudging them a little bit and saying, you can't do this. You can't stay where you are. It's not acceptable. And I don't, I don't want to lose you, but if you stay where you are too long, I'm going to have to lose you. It's our job as managers to help our people see that there is no place in successful organizations for people who refuse to change because change, you know, the only, only constants change. And it's our job not only to help them see it, but to help them do it. Amen. All right. Thanks, my friend. You bet, partner. All right, man. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, go change those directions. You just, you just do that there. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. So long, folks. <laughs> <laughs>